We talk about a lot of classics here, and there's one place where you can find them and us together. BestClassicsEver.com. That's where you'll find many of our favorite underrated movies and shows. And they're kicking off a big holiday giveaway on December 3rd, where you can win free subscriptions and streaming devices. So follow Best Classics Ever on social media and go to bestclassicsever.com to watch episodes of our show, The Matinee, streaming free in their Hollywood Canteen section. Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Uh, that's a raccoon, yo. What, what are you doing? <laughs> Feeding the raccoon. It's a trash panda. <laughs> <laughs> when the three burglars thing happens. Oh, and they're all saying the same line. Yes. <laughs> no, notice, Jeb, that when they put their hats on, I'm not going to be able to see facial expressions. So that's on you, man. That's on you. Okay. Camera rolling. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Can I get an interview about uh, Betsy's wedding? No. Anything but that. Anything get lost. That? Anything but that. Get my hat. Hello, I'm Mike Fields. I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it's because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or perhaps don't love about it, but we always recommend that you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We are on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of 100 episodes for your listening pleasure. What's going on? Nothing. Just getting ready to uh, uh, go up on stage, you know, doing a couple of uh, vocal exercises, doing some stretching, you know, all that good stuff. Expanding my diaphragm. <laughs> all right. <laughs> About to kill my uh, my uh, other fellow actors with an axe. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I know. Uh, what are we doing today? What are we, we doing this week? We are doing 1992's Noises Off. Mm -hmm. Uh a film about a traveling theater group that finds so much action going on behind the scenes, they almost ruin the performances. A nice, succinct synopsis. That's it? That's it. That's it? Uh, I, so, it's a traveling group. I thought that they are... I See, I, didn't, I don't understand as much as I understand about filmmaking as mm -hmm. probably as very little I understand about you know, plays and putting them on and whatnot. But it seemed like they were getting their... They were doing everything to get to the city. Like they were before they would get to Broadway. They were kind of building it up to that. Is yeah. that how that works? Is that how it works? Some, back some then, shows, some shows do. Yeah. Some okay. shows just start in Broadway and some shows have to gain popularity to be able to get that spot. Right. I've never heard of a show like guaranteed that spot, but you got to start in like Poughkeepsie first. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Okay. All right. Um, and they're definitely not a traveling theater group because they don't seem to really know each other very well until they came together. True. For this play. Gotcha. All right. So Noises Off has a runtime of 101 minutes. It's rated PG-13. It's had a production budget of $12 million. Uh, it's, a, it's a limited release date. It did not have a wide release. So it's limited release date is March 20th, 1992. That's a Friday. It's opening week and it did $981,000. Domestic and worldwide are the same at $2.2 So clearly not a box office hit. 
probably a box office flop if you were uh, honest about that, right? Yeah. Well, if they put it in a limited release, that's what's going to happen. True, true. Uh, production company was Touchstone Pictures and Amblin Entertainment and distributed by Buena Vista Pictures as Disney and Spielberg all over it. <laughs> and when, I, when the film started at Touch, Touchstone Pictures, I started, my note was, it's Disney, but shh. It's like all the films they want to keep under wraps. Like we don't know. We yeah. know. Uh, so it came out the 20th. It came up against a wide release, Basic Instinct. Uh, I'm sure Butler has seen that film. I have not actually seen that You've film. never seen Basic Instinct? No. Is it because of the scene that everyone talks about? I mean, that kind of turns me off to it. It's like, if, so if this is what everyone talks no. about, then is the movie any good no. at all? The, the, the movie is decent. I mean, that scene is, everyone talks about it because it's such a big thing, but it's like, it's made like it's five seconds and it's just like, okay, oh, I who figured, cares? but that's yeah. why I never watched it. Cause yeah. it's like, is the rest of the movie? Nah, any it's good? okay. <laughs> it's no, it's not a terrible film. Like I would, I always, for some reason, I always lump basic instinct with fatal attraction for some stupid reason because it's Michael Douglas. Right. But, um, but I, I prefer fatal attraction. Fatal attraction is uh, good. It's got a bunch if, of, if, if I'm comparing those two movies, but basic instinct is definitely, it, it's definitely you, it's worth to watch. Right. And as equally not worth to watch is basic instinct too. So <laughs> <laughs> also we had a limited release on the 20th shadows and fog on the 27th, which is the week after you had white men can't jump, which is a movie that we covered here. Uh, some many seasons ago, two seasons ago. Two seasons ago. Uh, the Rodney Dangerfield uh, Ladybugs, The Cutting Edge, and Ruby. And then the week before, which is the 13th, you had Article 99, My Cousin Vinny, and American Me. And then in the limited release, Shakes the Clown and Howard's End. Does any of those ring a bell to you? My Cousin Vinny. A lot of the stuff from the first that first week you listed, other than the Shadow and Fog one. I have no idea what that is. Shadows and Fog? I want to yeah. say that's Woody Allen. Oh, that's what I, I believe it's Woody. Oh, you didn't. Okay. You're like, you're like, I know that he's, you don't like him. I get that, but come on. You're never going to watch that. Shadows of No, Fun. I think he, it's not that I don't like him. I also don't like his stuff. I like, I like the writing, but I, I know we're not supposed to, uh, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Uh, he has, he was nominated for two Oscars actually for one movie. He was nominated as a writer and director for the movie, the last picture show. He also did the 1985 mask. Uh, not the Jim Carrey one. Uh, he's done Saint Jack and the Thing Called Love. You might have seen Bagdanovich on uh, Sopranos. He played the shrink for um, Larry Brock's character. So oh, okay, he was there too, and he's also in uh, Law and Order a lot. So FYI, so he's uh, an actor and writer director. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. I guess, but I just put his directing credits. Written by Marty Kaplan. This is based on a stage play by Michael Frayn. So, but Kaplan has written Striking Distance, uh, the uh, Bruce Willis on a boat in the middle of Pittsburgh movie and the distinguished gentleman i think striking distance is on our i was list. gonna mention that yeah, yeah. I, I remember liking striking distance uh i did too and then i think i, I caught it the other day and i was like mm, i mean i could still do it i could still talk about it but yeah <laughs> uh so michael fran is wrote stage but he's written uh, various novels and other plays but he's also done the movie clockwise and remember me with the question mark cinematography by tim surstet uh he has done teen wolf the michael j fox teen wolf that is critters Mannequin, uh, yeah, and nice. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Idiocracy, the TV show Silicon Valley, and Vacation Friends more recently, which I saw, but Butler did not. Not yet. Well, you know. Edited by, <laughs> edited by Lisa Day, who's done Eddie Murphy Raw, White Fang, and Great Balls of Fire. And produced by Frank Marshall, uh, who... He's all over huge the place. Producer. Exactly. Huge producer. But just to give you an idea, he, these are the movies that he that have been nominated for Best Picture that he's produced. Raiders of the Lost Ark. I don't know if you've heard of that. The Color Purple, Seabiscuit, The Sixth Sense, and The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Uh, so you had Carol Burnett, who is in this movie, who plays Dottie Otley and Mrs. Clackett. Mrs. Clackett is her name on the stage. I would assume a lot of people know her from Annie. 
but also the Carol Burnett show on TV and Carol Company, which was kind of a revival of that TV series. And then she's done a ton of Broadway stuff. Michael Caine as Lloyd Fellows. He plays, he's the director. Uh, I don't know. He's not the writer. No, he, no, he's just the director. He's the director of the play in the movie. Uh, he w- ha- he has won two Oscars, one for Hannah and Her Sisters and the other for The Cider House Rules. He's also been nominated for many other Oscars, Alfie, Sleuth, Educating Rita, and The Quiet American. Denholm Elliott as Selsden Mowbray. Uh, Den- Denholm Elliott has passed away in 1982. Like, this is his last theatrical film. Uh-huh. And then he passed away, which is, you know, rest in peace. Marcus Brody. <laughs> exactly. He's obviously from his Lost Ark, but he also was nominated for an Oscar for his role in A Room with a View. He's also in A Bridge Too Far, Trading Places, and The Razor's Edge. And in the play, he's known as The Burglar. Uh, okay, Julie Haggerty as Poppy Taylor. She is the, I guess, the stage director, right? Poppy as yeah. stage director, stage manager. Stage manager. She's in Airplane, What About Bob, Just Friends, and Marriage Story. You know what's funny is when you go on IMDb Pro to look for Julie Haggerty, her credit that they have her there is not airplane. It's like, that's how I, for the main. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? What about Bob? Because we did. What about Bob? It's not. What about Bob? It's a movie. It's, um, can't remember the movie, but it's not. No, I got fingered. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. It's Freddie got fingered. It's like, really? That's, that's, that's the movie that we're going to equate with her. It's airplane. Everyone. It's airplane. (laughs) Mary Lou Henner as Belinda Blair or in the play. She's Flavia Brent. Uh, she is an L.A. story. She's obviously in the TV show Taxi, the TV show Evening Shade. And she's also in the, I guess, the Hallmark TV show, or the Aurora Tea Garden Mysteries with Ka- Cameron Bure, right? Candace Cameron Bure, whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess she's on that. She, I think she plays one of the mothers or something like that. Uh, but she's more known as from Taxi and Evening Shade. Uh, Mark Lynn Baker as Tim Allgood. I could just give you the credit for Perfect Strangers because that's what everyone knows him as. That's he- right. My <laughs> girlfriend did not know Perfect Strangers. Really? I was like, oh, this is the one with the, oh, what's the name of the show with the foreign guy? Because I always forget the name. I look it up. I go, oh, Perfect Stranger. She goes, what? I go, what? Wow. That's interesting. You got to find this. I don't know if it's streaming somewhere, but. I mean, I don't don't think I finished this series, but I did watch a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. I also don't know if it still holds up. I don't know if like. Probably There's going to be some like. I mean. Foreigner jokes where I'm just like. You got to take those with a grain of salt. <laughs> I know. Um, he's also, he directed a lot of episodes for Hanging with Mr. Cooper. He was also, I think, he, I don't know if he was in it, but he was, he directed a lot, which is hmm. interesting. You know, Christopher Reeve as Frederick Dallas and in the play, he's known as Philip Brent. Uh, obviously, Christopher Reeve passed away in 2004. Real quickly with Mark Lynn Baker, what's his role? Is he just the handyman in the play? What is he? Uh, he's an understudy and he is like a, a tech. Yeah. Jack of all trades kind of guy. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. All right. So back to Christopher Reeve. He's uh, obviously everyone knows him as Superman. Uh, he's in the movie Death Trap, The Remains of the Day, Village of the Damned and Street Smart. And then John Ritter as Gary Lejeune or Roger Trempleman. Trempleman. <laughs> yeah, they never really kind of say that a lot in the play. Uh, he passed away in 2003, actually. They actually, Christopher Reeve and John Ritter passed away, I think, almost a year apart. Uh, he's in the TV show Three's Company, Hearts of Fire, uh, the TV show Hooperman. He's also in the, uh, the series Problem Child, the movie series, and Sling Blade. And Nicolette Sheridan as Brooke Ashton, or in the play Vicky, and she is in the TV show Knots Landing and the TV show Desperate Housewives. So a lot of credits in terms of like, they play two different people in the movie and in the play. The play that is being performed in this movie is called Nothing On, right? Yeah. Nothing's on, yeah. Nothing On. Uh, it is supposed to, they are basically doing a, an American, uh, American version of this play that was a big hit in London. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, I had seen this a long time ago. And I remember liking it 
Big time. I always remembered the stuff in terms of when they started fighting and they started doing this stuff on the stage. Um, but I think this this time watching it, uh, kind of like my uh, second viewing or third viewing, I really started appreciating just the choreography of the actors and the dialogue oh, yeah. and everything and just how you i mean it is like a play almost when you're and it, it, this is this movie we're watching it's a movie version it's an adaptation of a play of a rehearsal of a yes. play yes and i am <laughs> I, and i got to tell you i know that it got it got knocked for that i don't care i like that that's something that appealed to me but you know, you that's had, something that you're going to knock back then, but you're going to love now because now you go, this is so meta. But I didn't, I, I'm saying I, I, oh, you meant like somebody in general, because I liked yeah. it back then. Yeah. I liked it back then, not realizing why I liked it back then. It's probably because of the writing and all that stuff. Right. But you had never seen this. No. Or you never heard of this. Never even heard of okay. it. Okay. So I'm curious into your, your initial reactions to this film. What do you think my initial reaction was? I think you liked it, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I want to do this play. So bad. <laughs> I'm watching it going, this would be so much fun to do. It would be. take a lot of rehearsals, but this would be a lot of fun. To well, I'm play. wondering how they would do in the, just to get off topic, how they would do in the play when they have the backs behind the stage, behind the screen, like behind the stage and in front and of the, the front stage. Because there's different action. Happening. I wonder if they split it. It, on the on the actual stage in the when you're watching yeah it. i don't know or yeah. like you can't you can't rotate that stage because stuff happens yeah simultaneously yes yeah i was wondering the same thing how you'd present it obviously i think the bulk of act two for your play would be the Behind. back of house yeah i think you're right yeah but i don't know yeah i don't know how you would do for now but go ahead like you would you'd want to do this i would want to do i think it's a lot of fun i love like you said the choreography yeah just going back and forth must have been so much fun to do uh it, it must have been even filming it a lot like doing a stage play because there were, I mean, obviously they're rehearsing at the beginning. Oh yeah. Then they're rehearsing. You got to rehearse that rehearsal. And there's also a lot of stuff as an actor, as someone who's done a lot of stage, a lot of the things that like gave me PTSD of dealing with like <laughs> actor actors who are just like really like. Expound on that. <laughs> when they keep asking director questions, they go, honey, darling, would you blah, 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 like this fake niceness that just doesn't need to be there. This can I have this motivation for why I have to take this off the stage? And it's just like, cause you have to take it off oh, the, the stage. The, um, the Christopher, the Lloyd, the Christopher Reeve character. Christopher right? Reeve's character. Going, that, yeah. I, I know Fredericks, that. I'm, I'm just Dallas. a little dumb with plot. I'm sorry, but, um, mm -hmm. and he's perfectly nice, but it's just like, why, what is my motivation for taking up? But when you have to take something off the stage, you have to take something off the stage, just take yeah. it off the stage. <laughs> it's just got to clear the set. It's just easier. Oh, yeah. Um, but there's a lot of other stuff like that. Like the, the back talking about he's with them and there's what they're like, just, just act <laughs> the whole time I'm watching it going, Oh my God, I would shoot myself during this rehearsal because they're doing everything but acting. <laughs> uh, and it's just like, I can feel like, like when a Lloyd like tries to act nice, but is also super frustrated. Mm -hmm. Like I, I just, I was just like, Oh yeah. Yep. When he's up top and he's like, sardines, sardines, <laughs> you leave the phone, you take the sardines. <laughs> so what part would you play? Oh man, I don't know. Um, I think I'd want to be Gary because he has the most, I think, physical comedy. Sure. So I think that you're going to have to do that pratfall, that John Ritter style pratfall down love, the stairs. But I love pratfalls. I know. I got you. So I, got you. I think I'd want to do that. I could also probably see myself as Lloyd. Oh, what the director being like? Because I've done plays where I've been in the audience. Because mm -hmm. I imagine when this play goes on, he's actually in the. I audience don't. Yeah, I don't know. I know that in in this in the movie compared to the play that the voiceover narration and the opening scene when he leaves the New York theater, cause he thinks it's going to be bad. And when he comes back and he's 
Like that's not in the original. That was all designed. It was all written for the movie. Right. I figured that to, to wrap it. Um, and the and the movie, the, the play itself is just basically the three acts that you see on stage. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I don't know. I mean, you could probably, yeah, you could. I would assume that if 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 in the play it hits him watching the play, I would assume he'd be in the audience. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I don't know. See, I again, I don't have that much knowledge of just the history of stage plays and whatnot. So I'm I'm curious as to at what point it became the norm or it was okay. Or like they to put they, somebody, to put somebody outside the stage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like at when did that become something that was like, oh, we were doing this, we can do this? Like kind of like, oh my God, he put somebody outside the stage, like that kind of thing. That's probably a more modern invention, but I'm sure people have always tried to do that. But right. I'm sure really more more work now because you know, try to do that during the Globe Theater days of Shakespeare that started right. Well, oh, They'd be oh, like, oh, we could go up on stage then. Yeah, but they also weren't having women play women parts on the, that. That is also the true. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's not, they weren't getting a lot of stuff right. <laughs> um, what did you, th- was there anybody in, uh, I, the, one, the other notes I have here is like, I really miss John Ritter after watching this movie. Oh, absolutely. He yeah. is, he's great. He's just great. He's doing stuff that you don't, you don't necessarily catch maybe the first time, but just his acting is it. It's just, he's, he's just a solid comedic actor and he really knows what he's doing. Oh, absolutely. I think it was great to pair him with Dottie, Gary with Dottie. Yes. Because Carol Burnett is the same kind of just classic comedic actor. They are so good. Mm-hmm. They are like the top of their level. And oh, yeah. when they act together, that, that whole scene where, I mean, Christopher Reeves, Frederick Dallas is just kind of, the guy in the middle between their acting and them fighting in mm-hmm. act two, uh, act two kind of hinges upon Carol Burnett and John Ritter doing their thing. And yeah. it's absolutely wonderful. It's and, wonderful. And Christopher Reeve though, I think is, is funnier and is, is more, uh, I think he's funnier than people remember. And I think also he is, it's not unfair, but he's always going to be remembered as Superman, but he is these other stuff that he has done. He is very good in. Oh, like, you absolutely. know what I mean? Like yeah, he's yeah. an accomplished actor, but whether it's unfortunate or it's fortunate or not, people are only going to remember him as Superman. See, that's one of the other things I liked about Christopher Reeve was he was okay with that. Yeah, He's no, like no, one of the I very get few it. actors yeah. who's like, I, I love that, you know, kids look up to me. Like, sure. He liked that. But he's good in this. He's really he good is. in this. And yeah. he plays another like kind of Christopher Reeve-esque like- Affable. Affable, yeah. nice guy. Doofus dude, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't like violence. He gets nosebleeds. He's basically <laughs> playing Clark Kent as an actor. <laughs> just not as, not as geeky, I guess. Like, just not more, as geeky, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not like, you know, <laughs> I'll always like that kind of stuff. But like, he's just the victim of Gary's attacks because <laughs> he Gary thinks- that Fred slept with Dottie when, when Gary was just, or Fred was just talking to Dottie all night one night. Right, right. Um, so Gary tries to kill him with an axe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I also like the fact that, and I don't know if this was purposely, but like how when things go wrong on stage, John Ritter's character, Gary, can't adjust and adapt to it. You know, he, he has a tough time trying to like, well, th- you feel bad. I've, I've been there when someone's flopped on stage and you have to be the one to try to recover. Yeah. But it seems like every time he goes out on stage, no one else. Is, so he has to do it over and over and over. He's like knocking yeah. upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think while I was watching, I go, you know, he's actually not doing too bad a job. Considering it's just him on stage trying to get things done. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, they're keeping it going yeah. until the very end where it's just like absolutely falls apart. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> was there anybody in the play that maybe or in the movie, excuse me, that you you were like, OK with or didn't like or 
Um, or do you think the, how 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 well do you think it was casted? Let's put it that way. Oh, I think it was perfectly casted, but I think maybe some actors and actresses were shortchanged. Okay, uh, like Mary Lou Henner as uh, Belinda was just kind of. I guess she's the voice of reason. I but think she, she just wants to make. Much she wants to, to make everything happen. She wants to make everything happen. She wants to make everything ha- everybody happy. Well, she and she's also enamored with Fred, Fred, Frederick. Right. So you know she likes him, but she's trying to just you know make sure everything's copacetic with everyone. Yeah. yeah. Um. So she's kind of the the negotiator between the group, but I don't think she's given enough like maybe comedic bits. Mm-hmm. I think Nicolette Sheridan also doesn't have quite as much to do, but she does get some good bits, especially on stage. Yeah. Try, well, when everything goes wrong and like hitting doors and mm-hmm. trying to get in things. That's about it. Maybe a little bit more Poppy. I don't think Poppy gets maybe as many jokes either. Oh, uh, yeah. Tim gets a couple of good <clears throat> ones, but I don't think Poppy gets... She gets a little shortchanged as well because there's so much you can do with like a stage manager dealing with this kind of a production. Uh, stage managers are always tear- tearing their hair out. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't really, and they kind of in the movie they talk about how like at the end, like she's obviously has she's been having not an affair, but she's been with Lloyd. Lloyd's just been playing both, you know, yeah. Brooke and Poppy at the same time. Yeah, right. But and you never really get that. And you don't get any kind of scenes or anything that like one knows that or one. It's just kind of like that's how it is. And then you really and she finds out she's pregnant later, and and so they kind of rush through that. Whatever, it, 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 you know. Um, I know that the movie ended on a happy note, but not the play. The stage play does not. There's a so it's a different ending. Okay, what well, um, does the play? I have no idea. I, I just know that I just know that it didn't. It, like I don't think they all got together. That kind of thing. I think it is kind of silly when you know the play goes off without a hitch, <clears> and then they they got the all wedding, paired up, the wedding ring, and they're all paired up yeah, yeah. I thought that was a little like come on all, all right that's it, much yeah i mean i could see fred and and belinda finally getting together and maybe gary and Dottie, but not the making not, up but not uh selsden and pa and not poppy uh and selsden, selsden and, and Dottie, uh, Dottie are getting Dottie, together yeah. and frederick and, yeah. and belinda and gary all of a sudden for no reason with brooke yeah it's just like uh, all right <laughs> how did we get to here a movie and i think it would be much better <laughs> if the final performance also messed up like that's what the audience is liked about the play mm-hmm. um but instead they put it on the play perfectly in the last one so i i yeah would you have so originally uh the character of belinda was going to be played by annie potts but she had a car accident so she couldn't do she had to drop out would you have liked that now this is annie potts in this is after ghostbusters so you no, because if it was Annie Potts, who I, I, I mean, I grew up with Ghostbusters more than a sure. taxi. I'd have been even more disappointed that she wasn't given more to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I think Mary Lou Henner did a, a fine job. Mm-hmm. Now, just to go back to the play. So the original Broadway production of Noises Off opened on in, in December of 1983. It ran for 553 performances and was nominated for best play for the 1984 Tony Awards. Nice. So now do you, I'm, I'm going to asking you, cause I'm going to ask you to tell the audience, but do you know what? Noises off refers to the the title, the stage cue. Do you know what that is? Oh, you don't know. It's it's right before you uh, go on, right? So noises off is a stage cue used in plays by a playwright to indicate noises occurring off stage. Okay. So yeah, so he's saying noises off and the noises come on. Okay. Like, I have not done any, really. I have not done any plays where they've had background wow. sound effects. Well, then you maybe need to do this play. <clears throat> Call up your play guys and get going. I'll tell you what. If you uh, need me to step in as one of the characters, I will. I'll come in for it. You I'll can be, be Frederick. You can be Frederick because he's tall and I'm tall. Yeah. <laughs> Need a Clark, uh, tall Clark Kent looking <laughs> Get me field. <laughs> Was it nice seeing Denholm Elliott as someone it, other than Mark? Yes. yes. Yeah, right? I mean, I, mean, I, know, I forgot I he was in trading, trading, sp- yeah, places. trading places. Yeah. Um, but then I, because I, I was thinking, I was like, 
have I seen him in anything else? And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I have. Mm. Uh, but yes, it was nice. Although he is a little bit like bumbling Marcus Brody from Last Crusade. Well, he's, he's supposed to be Hello? somebody. Hello, does anyone a, speak English? He's, but he's a like what's the word? He's a functioning alcoholic. Like the whole the, the oh, whole I, running I love, gag. I love that hiding the whiskey bottle is to from stop him. him from drinking. Yeah, and, and people keep hiding it, and then people keep finding it in the hiding places. Like we got to hide this. They keep hiding <laughs> it like twenty times. Uh, it's so good. I think he's following it like a, like a dog following yeah. a treat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's so good. And then they're the entire act two. They're like hand signals to each other. They're talking and the hand signals make no sense. But yet somehow they understand what the other person <laughs> say. I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. This is so good. <laughs> well, I like I like the also the gag when Lloyd comes back there and he wants to buy flowers for Vicky. So he gives Tim the money and Tim keeps going on getting flowers and people keep intercepting the flowers, thinking they're for them. And he keeps giving them less and less, less, less money. <laughs> so that's a cactus. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And then he gives her the one flower and it just droops. And he's just like, <laughs> I love when um, he sits on the cactus and they're picking out the, uh, the pines Yeah, and they're out in the alleyway. And then the uh, rest of the stage crew, that's all women come by and they laugh at Tim. <laughs> Um, I, I still laugh when I still laugh, uh, when they do, when the three burglars thing happens. Oh, so, and they're all singing <laughs> the same line. Yes. <laughs> so in the play, there's a, there's a cue for the burglar to show up and it's, and it's every time Frederick says a line and he closes the door. Yep. And so the first time, because they can't find Selsden, uh, Lloyd, Michael Caine's character does it. He just comes on there and he starts doing it. And then. They get all confused and Selzen they does keep, come out. They redo the line because Frederick's like, I was just over here and I did this. And, I, and then, then Selzen does come out as the burglar and then they start, hey, and they start repeating the same lines to each other. And then the third time they do it again, then Tim comes out because he's the understudy for all of them. God, he's such a bad actor. He's so nervous about being on stage. It's like, why are you even an understudy? <laughs> when he shows up, when Fred, Frederick falls in the back, you hear him like whatever happens. Well, like, he, yeah. yeah. And then he shows up at, and it's just like, Oh, it's you. Oh, okay. <laughs> you look a little different. And like he's reading his, he's got the tax form in his hand, but it's clearly also the script. And so he's just reading his lines mm -hmm. and then it gets left on stage and you can see he's like shaking. And that's the show in Florida, right? That's, that's when they Florida. do the matinee. Yeah. I love that they keep, that Poppy keeps going three minutes to places. Please take your seats. And then Tim doesn't know that Poppy said anything. So you have four minutes to places, please. And Lloyd's there with his gummy bears. He takes his bag of gummy bears going, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah, because he's like, you're, we're all out there. Everyone's standing up. They don't know for the bathroom to stay down. Like, we don't know what's going on out there. It's all seniors. It's the matinee. <laughs> and him talking about his Hamlet performance in New York. Yeah. It, yeah. Ophelia's getting a divorce. <laughs> Hamlet's got a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Which is ironic. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess in... Um, so in the play, because this play is a primarily English play, a, a Britain play, British play, excuse me, uh, it, 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 he's actually directing Richard III, but they changed it to Hamlet because they thought American audiences would understand that better. Well, they, OK, I mean, whatever. But I mean, everybody knows Hamlet, so I guess that makes sense. I know they made changes in terms of just certain words that they use to reference things. I get that. I, I, obviously, it's not going to play well because people are going to try to figure out what are they talking about. Do but, yeah. British people really like plates of just sardines? I don't. I think it's just the fact that they're <laughs> disgusting. Maybe I don't know. At the salt of sardines, right? eat yeah. plates of sardines. I always <laughs> think of uh, when he eats the sardines and the burbs on the pretzel. Wow! Uh, when Tom Hanks yeah. does that, I always remember that. I've that. known some people to eat, you know, sardines from a can, of, like pretzels or crackers, but like one or two, never like a plate of them just slopped I've, on. I've 
Obviously, I don't eat meat, so I'm not going to have them now, but I never had them before. I never had any interest. Are they very salty? They're very salty. They're yeah. not bad. They're just really salty. Well, maybe that's like salted cod. Like, that's a big thing over overseas, right? Maybe. Maybe that's just something along that line. Uh, yeah, no, I've never been into that. Listen, I know we have a British audience. If you go to the lobby on uh, <laughs> our Facebook page and let us know. Hey, Captivate. You love <laughs> Um... I love when Dottie loses it though too, and she's got her accent, and then she lo- doesn't have. Well, her I think that was on purpose. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely, because she yeah. just doesn't care anymore. It gets the third performance <laughs> at that point, and she's just like, "Whatever, here I am. I mean, let's go do this." Oh, when, she takes the phone, and then when um when Gary falls down the stairs, and that's the Cleveland show, right? That's the Cleveland show. Yeah, he falls down the stairs and he's passed out. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yep. And they all come out and they're like, oh, hey, who's this guy here? Because he's not supposed to be there. And they're just like, is he okay? (laughs) (laughs) He's dead. (laughs) So I always like to go back and read some reviews. Lawrence O'Toole, the Entertainment Weekly, and this is a quote, said, nothing is as murderous on a farce as film. Its mechanics can work beautifully from the distance of the stage, but the closeness of the home screen points out every flaw in Peter Bogdanovich's futile attempt Anoretic visuals, bloated acting, broad time in an often dull direction. The cast members are all game, but it's exhausting watching actors try so hard. It's like, oh, boo on you. Yeah, I know. It's like, okay, Larry, (laughs) (laughs) you really like what you wrote there. You really like described it real well. Yeah. What a, what a turtleneck wearing critic. Yeah, I I don't. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It's tough. I understand the the role of a critic. I, I, and but you watch so much stuff that it's, you know, at some point you got to just, you know, take it for what it is. If it doesn't, if it doesn't connect to you, it doesn't connect to you. Bloated acting and broad timing and anoretic visuals. I'm sorry. It's a stage play. He just wants to sound smart, dude. Yeah. He's I, clearly the, he's clearly the critic from Ratatouille, but for film, <laughs> I hate those kind of But it's like, ma- instead of anoretic, why don't you use anorexic? Because that's what you mean. Like that's, that's it's, the, yeah, it's, exactly. That's but it's one of the things I like. I mean, I don't agree with Ebert most of the time. But when he wrote, he wrote like a human being and mm-hmm. he didn't try to write like a douchebag to seem like a douchebag. Right. I hate critics that do that. Well, that's because crit- a lot of critics come from a literature background and they just, they, they take it. They just know, want to criticism. seem heightened. Oh, I got you. No. They are drama students who became film critics. <clears throat> but now, but seeing, well, not that we're going to go on a, a, a critic tangent, but now you have bloggers that are critics and these bloggers don't have any kind of understanding. Oh, knowledge or understanding. Knowledge oh, I hate that too. When yeah. they don't know. And they're just trying to do blurbs so that they get on the poster. They get on. I always love when you watch a commercial on TV and it's got like, and it's a movie that Tim Johnson from JoeBlow.com yeah. says, wow, I watched Not even this movie. That. Or it's like, it's their, it's their <laughs> Twitter handle. And it's like, and it, and you know, the movie's not good. Like you're watching that and you like the movie, you've seen it. It's not that good. It's fine. Whatever. They made a movie. Congratulations. But it's not that good. And they have like these three quotes up there that it, it acts like the movie Citizen Kane or something. And then you, if you, if you, if you go back and watch them, it's the same person that they're quoting. It's like, <laughs> you just took three quotes from the same person. It's like, your movie sucks. Your movie su- <laughs> and when you have a movie that has that, when you have. A, a trailer that shows that kind of uh, quote from somebody, yeah. it usually means it needs that help. That why that's oh, why it's out there. Yeah. When you start seeing the movies that are Oscars and you start seeing four star boom, boom, boom from like different publications like the LA Times and, and Wall Street Journal, all that stuff. That's a little bit more like, okay, this is getting legitimate publications. Right. But yeah. when it's all like these like quotes from Twitter handles, it's like, no, beware. Buyer beware. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're right. I would like these publications to do less like 
could I be a critic? Probably. Do I want to? I don't know. Because it would always be like, this is my opinion. And I kind of didn't work for me. I wouldn't slam a movie unless it was blatantly like, unless it was clear, like an actor or an actress or a director was phoning it in. And I'd be like, why do you want my money? I want my money back if you're not going to take the time to make something. But if you don't slam a movie constantly, no one's going to take Exactly. If you are not that, if you're not <laughs> quote unquote controversial for whatever reason, yeah. if you're not... Uh, out, outly spoken about stuff. No one's going to read your stuff. So that's kind of like, it's a, it's kind of like, how do you do it? Dan, if you do Dan, if you don't kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. You can't love everything. Right. Oh, absolutely well, but you not. shouldn't love everything. No. And we don't love everything on this podcast. But, does, but just because you don't like something doesn't mean if you think if somebody else likes it, you're like, okay, fine. You, you that connected you. Not, you know. I don't want to toot our own horn, but you know, when we don't like stuff, at least we try to find the good and stuff. Sure. Critics who hate things for no reason will never try to find like the good in something sure like that guy's review is just like oh the cast is all game yeah but it's but like you said also said they have bloated acting right like, exactly yeah exactly you can't Bro- do both broad timing it's like uh, uh, i'm sorry broad timing. But, it's a play but, but honestly see see to me it's like you're in the minority there because clearly like john ritter is known for his timing for his comedic timing Absolutely. and how he is he that like that's his big like he's extremely popular and he does it so well you're saying he doesn't that's like you're, you're saying everyone else they're wrong it's like you're wrong pal you're wrong. I bet he doesn't like Clue either, because this gave me this movie gave me big Clue vibes in terms of the cast having to work right. together with timing and choreography. But that's the speed. thing, like yes, movies like that that are so like everyone's like oh going crazy and stuff like that. Like that takes a lot of work to get to. It's yeah. not that's not as e- it's not just editing, especially in Clue because they do a lot of like one shots and they're in the big hall. But yeah. in this one too, they do they the do same a ton thing. Of one yeah. shots. It's just like you have to appreciate the effort that went into it. Absolutely. And so yeah, the camera doesn't do much because the focus is on the actors performing this play yeah it's gotta look like a play that's the whole point it's framed like the play yeah that's a dumb review dumb review good movie <laughs> well i'm surprised i'm surprised that you had never heard it you had never heard of it before this show i'd right? never heard okay. of it no well i'm not surprised at that because you are obviously somebody who has done stage plays within college and stuff like that you would yeah. think that you're with a group of people that kind of would gravitate towards something like that you know, no, hey, this I, is too fun. You think so? Drama students suck, dude. I mean, I was. <laughs> whoa, one of them, but whoa! I'm not saying that. No, they don't suck, but they're they can be very high on themselves, much like oh, much course. like the critics. Much and like a lot of them, become much the like critics. indie filmmakers, some indie yeah. filmmakers, much like a lot of people that are doing art. Yeah, I always bring up a story of one of the we were doing. I think or Julius Caesar and one of the actors called. Wouldn't it be great if we just took down the writing and took down and just did the just did the the play as like an emotion, just did the play as just the emotion of the play. And I said, "That's I'm the only one who spoke up." And went, "That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That sounds terrible. No one would buy tickets to that." And they're like, "Oh, Butler doesn't think Mike Butler doesn't think that's a good idea." And I go, "No, yeah. we're actors to tell a story. The emotion is part of the rest of the story. But that's how drama students think. They want to do the avant-garde stuff because that's what they're taught, and they're taught that." heightened heightened you can make a difference you can change the world with acting and it's just mm-hmm. like let's do something fun like noises off <laughs> <laughs> no one no one talk, would talk about from like college would talk about doing a play like this this is something that you would maybe get after college when you've kind of calmed down and you're off your high horse about how heightened acting is and now the people i went to school with would probably love to do something like that well that's probably the benefit of experience of time of understanding their craft and knowing what works and what they like and maybe you know but in college that's what you're supposed to do you're supposed to be like that i remember i went to an acting class and it was like they did the mirror exercise and they did the tree thing and i was just like and i was like nah i don't want to do this and like i i think that was an indication at that point that i'd rather just create it and rather than be like be a part of it you know, sure. Wise and yeah. Stuff like that. I like, mean, but there's yeah. still, I don't mind. I don't Listen, I don't mind performing. I just, right. it's not something that I gravitate towards as much. Right. Yeah. 
Like the tree stuff and the mirror stuff and the act like you're in jelly stuff. That, that's all crap. Nah. That's all BS. I mean, it does help some people who can't quite imagine. Sure. Because if you don't have an imagination, you're not going to be a good actor. And maybe that's good think. for an intro acting class because it kind of kind of gets you yeah. into that mo- mindset. The best acting classes I've ever done are the ones that got me to emote. Mm-hmm. Like Peter Sanders was one of my professors at Hofstra and he did a class where you did to do a monologue to him. And he said, nope, don't believe it. Nope, don't believe it. And you'd have to keep doing it over and over again. For Wait, like what, is this weeks. like whiplash? Basically, <laughs> oh, almost. And he'd be like, I don't believe it. And he'd be like, show me with your eyes that you're doing this. And he goes, you're not going to all do stage all the time. You're going to do film. So, mm-hmm. and even when you do stage, if you can't convince me with your eyes that you believe this, if I can't believe what you're saying, get out of here. Wait a minute. He didn't teach you the 90s look away when you have a, a tough thing to say and then come back. He didn't teach you no, that? No, you want to look straight Because that is ass. rife in the 90s. And then, <laughs> and then he'd pick a random class, uh, other classmate and go, all right, now do it to him. Mm-hmm. And like, you'd have to stare at this person who you've never performed this monologue to and just like, yeah, like about where we are now and just like perform this five minute monologue. Good. And it was like, wow, that, that's you, good. You, you, you learn memorize the monologue. Yeah, yeah we yeah, memorize okay, it. Yeah, you weren't like, like looking at it. You have to emote it. Yeah, yeah. And that was better act. That sure. taught you stuff that you can't learn from like jello and trees and stuff like that. <laughs> now act like a tree. <laughs> well, some people think of acting class, a lot of people think of like the tree and the jello and the warm up. Sure. But there's more to it. I don't know what that was, but all right. Like the diaphragm. Whatever. That's fine. That's fine. You know, that's a different world. I mean, I mean, but it takes, there's all different kinds of actors, Butler. I mean, you're just not that kind of actor. Which is fine. I'm not snooty. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't say that. <laughs> well, back to this. So you're going to do this play. That's what's happening. You're going to get a director. You're going to direct this play uh, off, 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 off Broadway in Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> the office of Broadway. <laughs> Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, uh, well, my point of ask, asking you, how come you never heard about that? I'm wondering then. Cause I don't really buy, I well, know what you're saying. Why you didn't get, get why you, it wasn't shown to you. Maybe my, right, my question is going to be how, why, well, why do you think it wasn't, why is it forgotten? Touchstone messed up. Hey, <laughs> it, it went up, up against a bunch of tough movies. I mean that, that week's films and the week after were a lot of good films. There. Yeah, the but, week before is my cousin Vinny. That hurts it, true. But, but also limited. Why limited? Mm-hmm. You've got actors in here. John Ritter is a name in the early nineties. But he's, but he's a, a TV name. name. See, that's the thing. This is when TV's bad and movies are good. And obviously that, that that's first. Yeah. But this is back then thinking. Yeah, Michael Caine. I hear you. Carol well, Burnett. Michael Caine. I'm trying to look at I'm trying to think of Michael Caine's career because Michael Caine had a time when he wasn't hot, if you will. When did Sire House Rules was late 90s, right? Yeah. Late 90s, early. That's 2000s, when yeah. Michael Caine started getting coming back bigger stuff. Yeah. This was like Michael Caine hot off of Jaws 4, that kind of thing. Like, so I understand what you're saying. Right. Um, but I'm thinking, I'm trying to give you like what they're thinking, which it's is still, incorrect thinking. It's but still yes. got enough actors to give it a wide release. I hear you. No, I mean, I, even listen, if they're yeah. just TV, you've got five or six of them. That makes one movie, yeah, mm-hmm. movie star, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I don't get why it got a limited release. And I think it was put between tough movies. You can't put a comedy movie next to My Cousin Vinny. It's just not gonna. It's not gonna fly. It, it would have work. to be my my cousin Vinny is really funny, and my cousin Vinny took a lot of people by surprise, which is why I mean he, she won the Oscar for that. Uh, I'm talking about Marissa um, Tomei. Marissa Tomei. Uh, so it it was just like it was like a huge. Everyone was going to see it. Right. Noises Off is not the the movie itself. I don't think appeals broadly because I think people probably were confused about it's a stage. It's what right. I think the fact that Carol Burnett. Marklin Baker, John Ritter. These are people that are actually, yeah, these are people that are TV stars. Mary Lou Henner, TV stars. 
this is Christopher Reeve, not a Superman. So people are probably already thrown by that. Yep. Um, you know, and so it, I don't think, I, I don't think it had the star power that maybe us looking back are like, Oh man, that would have been, I don't understand how this didn't do well. Right. So I, I can say like, as to your point about it being forgotten is it's probably didn't really get a lot of big push in terms of like, Hey, check out noises off. It was just like, we'll put it out. We're good. We're good. We'll see how it right. goes. Yeah. When did clue come out? Clue was 89. No, 86. No, I'm going to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Which by the way, we did clue in one of our other episodes. Clue. Clue was 85. Clue's 85. I was getting there. <laughs> so clues 85. This is 92. This is, they're so similar in style that maybe it would have done better. Right when the play was hot, but when, when Clue was coming out. Yeah. But also Clue didn't do well. Clue became a cult classic. True. So, I mean, I am surprised this didn't grow over time to become a cult classic. But again, that limited release hurts it. And the fact that it's Touchstone and Disney doesn't believe in Touchstone and we can't get these films anywhere. I have to rent this movie. Yeah. I, you don't I see it anymore. I question the production budget of $12 million. Where's that going? Is that is that cast salaries? It's got to be salaries. Because like it's it's basically one set. Oh, I mean, I guess did they change stages? No, you know what? When you in Miami, they never look out to the audience other than the close-ups of the audience with yeah. Lloyd sitting down. So, so I don't think they changed I locations. The, I don't know where the budget went. Like, and again, I don't know how much it takes to get in get into to, to make a stage play in terms of like how much stage oh how much God. plays cost and something like this with all that. I mean it's an okay looking set, but that's not a twelve million dollar set. So yeah, so that's a lot of money. That for for a movie like this, I would I would have been uh, I think I would have been less surprised if it was maybe like eight million six eight million dollar budget. I just wonder where the twelve million went because that's a. I mean, granted, for I mean back then though, that's probably what now that's probably what for now twenty five million. Yeah, you're talking about inflation. Yeah, that's got to be salaries. I mean, Cara Burnett is hot off of the Cara Burnett show. Like that was you know I wonder if other people have seen the Cara Burnett show. You've seen it. Have you seen any episodes? I've seen some of it. Yeah. That's very before funny. my time, but yeah, I've seen some of it. Yeah. All right. So maybe I guess maybe it just one of the it could also be a movie that fell through the cracks. I think this definitely I would like I would like to see this play if it was ever done again. And I I mean, like, can you really revive this movie? Can, I, I don't want to see it redone because I, I don't think you can match that cast. I, seriously. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Who, I'm trying to think like who's playing the Ritter character, like who's playing who's taking over for John Ritter. And then Carol Burnett, those two, like those are two, it's almost like those are the perfect people for those roles. And I'm curious who's going to take over for them that I'm going to have to sit there and go, nope, not the same. I was going to say someone who could do pratfalls and stuff. I was going to say like Kevin Hart, but it, it's tough because there aren't a lot of like other than Kevin Hart. Can you think of any big comedian actors anymore that are stage guys, stage guys that are that old who can do that, who can perform? As no. if you believe they're performing in front of a live audience. I think you could do this as if you had, if you just cast people from the stage that are strong, that you wanted to, and, and you made this like, you know, people you didn't know. Sure. So that you don't have to worry about comparisons. It's Unless just people a, are coming to the theaters. But, <laughs> no, I get that. I, but, but you can make this movie for like 2 million, a million dollars. So, you know, what are you, what are you asking for in terms of like your, that, and that you could make that money easily back if it went to streaming after it had a small theatrical release. Probably. But yeah. So you would clearly recommend this to anyone you know? Oh, I think pretty much everybody would like this. Yeah, I think it's funny. I think it works. I think the meta-ness of it really works for today. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's a, a film about a play, about a play being played. Interesting. <laughs> it's, so yeah, I think anybody would like it. I think 
I don't know anyone who is, doesn't like the movie Clue. Again, I bring up Clue Lux. Yes, yeah, I don't either. And I, I think this is similar. So I think I'd be like, you like Clue? Watch this. I think this would be the next step. I think this is something you would really enjoy because of that same kind of physical comedy, the quick choreography. Like you appreciate it in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. And I think anybody I could recommend. I don't know anyone who wouldn't like this. I can see somebody not liking this who's more into film than they are stage plays and plays. I think if somebody who knows both worlds or somebody who even just knows stage play world and the plays, mm -hmm. I think they would like this as much as we do. You know what I sure. mean? Yeah. All right, cool. So uh, actually, where can they find us? Well, you can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. You can also find us on the social medias. Join us in The Lobby or Forgotten Cinemas The Lobby, which is on Facebook where we talk about these movies. Let us know what you think about Noises Off if you've ever seen the play. Again, if you're from England and you're a fan, <laughs> and you, you can tell us about your love of sardines. I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> uh, just uh, find us all over the social medias and wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this episode and all of our episodes. Awesome. And we will be back next week as we're going to be going to 1997, where we're going to watch Dennis Quaid tracking down a serial killer in Switchback. Yeah. That's next week. Uh, so everyone, I hope you, uh, this is this episode's out right now. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone that celebrates. Gobble, gobble. Don't eat too much. Uh, don't get, you know, don't get too bloated with turkey. And uh, I don't, I'm not going to eat turkey because I don't eat meat. So I guess it's not a good holiday for me. Oh, yeah, still sweet potatoes. There's mashed potatoes. I don't like sweet potatoes. There's apple pie. I like, like sweet mashed, potatoes? No, I don't. I don't like yams. I don't like yams with marshmallows. I don't like cranberry sauce. Jeez. Mashed potatoes is fine. Green, uh, what? Green beans? Green beans fine. Green bean casserole? I'm okay with that. All right. I mean. Stuffing? I'm okay with stuffing. Obviously, okay. there's no sausage got, in it. No, no, no. Right. There's stuff I can eat. I don't like pumpkin pie. Jesus, dude. I don't like pumpkin Apple pie. Apple pie? Apple pie is okay, but okay. it's, 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 it's got to be there's got to be a way it's made. Like, I don't like, I don't like chunky apple pie. Like, I don't like big apples in the thing. I got things. I got problems. <laughs> yeah. And on that note. <laughs> so uh, that's it. We will see you next week. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema.